Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. This is your host, Jeff Lyle. Grateful for all of you tuning in today. Hope you're doing well. Hope that the abounding grace of God is your sufficiency right now in a world that is uh, a little bit cuckoo. And uh, that's not a Bible word, but it is a perfect word. The world is cuckoo. I mean, straight up nuts right now. Um, I have some friends that like never want (laughs) me to say things that uh, reflect the reality of any negativity (laughs) in the earth. And I get why they, you know, they're, uh, I love them, but they're probably a little over the top um, with the concern of speaking death. And so any reflection of a negative reality to them feels like I'm speaking death. And, you know, if you read your Bible, you're going to find out that um, there's actually a lot of disclosure about negative stuff. I mean, a lot, both Old Testament, New Testament, whether you're in the Pentateuch, you're in the Psalms, you're in the Proverbs or the prophets, or whether you're in the Gospels, the book of Acts, especially the epistles. And by the way, the book of Revelation is filled with the revelation of highly difficult, intense, and negative things. And so uh, just a quick word to all of you, like saying the truth, which happens to reflect a negative reality, is not speaking death. Um, What you've got to do is you've got to always remember that as you um, communicate about things that are not in alignment with the heart of God, they are sinful, they are dangerous, they are threatening, they are negative. Uh, What you've got to remember is that Jesus Christ is enthroned above it all, And the Bible is very clear that he works all things, all things, all things, all things to the, for the good of those who love him and who are saved, the called according to his purposes. So when I say that the world is cuckoo, I'm not speaking death. I'm being honest. And you know that too. And pretending it isn't so does not make it go away. And so my thought is if we can go ahead and speak truth and speak reality, what we can do is we can say, we, we understand better. Uh, the battles that we're facing, to deny you have opposition, to deny you have an enemy, to deny that there's a negative reality is not to overcome it. It's simply to deny it. And that's just not reasonable. And so what I want to do is I want to clearly elucidate what the challenges are, what the opposition is. I want to bring truth. When Paul was writing to the church of Philippi in chapter number four, he said, whatever things are true, he gives a list of things, whatever things are true, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of love, whatever things are honorable and so on and so on. He says, think on these things. But the first thing he mentioned was whatever things are true. And so truth, we're living in a day of um, like a decay of truth, um, a shaping, a reshaping by man of, of what God's truth is. And what's happening is now we have this phrase that I can't stand, frankly, but it's become very popular in the last five years, which is that's your truth. And I've got my truth. And I'm thinking that's just foolish because ultimately truth is a source in the word of God. And um, any other truth has to orbit around the foundational truth of who God is and what God says. And so my truth doesn't matter if it's not in alignment with God's truth. And honestly, uh, your truth doesn't either. And so uh, I'm, you know, in Mavericks and Misfits, what we try to do is we try to speak the truth in love. We try to get a biblical framework for um, all things that pertain to life and to what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to what it means to um, live in a culture that does not honor this amazing king who died for his people. And so uh, I'm grateful that you've tuned in. If you're a first time listener, um, you're just going to get a, a dose of truth. And I, I love my job. I feel like my job in the podcast, my assignment from the Lord is to s- speak truth 
to speak against things that come against truth and then to free you up and empower you and liberate you to decide as an individual, what do I want to do with what I've heard? Uh, very rarely will you hear me, um, you know, speaking in a way that uh, forces you or s- attempts to force you to agree with me. What I would say is I'm going to tell you the truth and then I'm going to liberate you because I value, my highest value is freedom. And I value your ability to agree or to disagree with me. And honestly, that's on you. And so for everything we believe, everything we think, everything we communicate, everything that we anchor our life in, there are both positive and negative consequences. And I, lo- I, I think I find this pattern in scripture that um, God tells us the truth. He calls us to a certain course of action, but he does not force us to obey. He does not force us to believe him. He doesn't force us into complying. He literally honors the human will to the extent where he says, I'm going to let you choose. You can choose to love me or choose not to love me. You can choose to believe me or choose not to believe me. You can choose to obey me or choose not to obey me. I will not force you. I will compel you in love to adhere to what I say, but I will leave the decision with you. And I think that as a leader in the kingdom, as a pastor, as a teacher of the word of God, I think that that's probably what I should do too. tell the truth, compel, but ultimately we don't manipulate and we don't force. You know, there's been a verse of scripture that has been on my heart for man, probably three or four months. And I've been wanting to do a podcast on it, but there were just other things that were in line ahead of it. And so this verse from second Corinthians chapter seven, um, has kind of been on the back burner, but it's been in my mind. And I want to talk to you about it in today's uh, episode of Mavericks and Misfits. And Second um, Corinthians 7, 1 was actually one of the first verses I memorized as a believer. Um, I was saved out of a pretty rough lifestyle, and I wanted my life to be holy. I, I wanted my life to honor God, whereas before my lifestyle had not. Pardon me. <clears throat> Got that early morning frog in the throat. Um, and so I remember, uh, I was actually doing a Bible reading plan or scripture memorization plan or something. And I came across second Corinthians seven, one in that memorization plan. And this is what it says. It says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now I'm going to read it again. And just kind of let the word sink because we are being compelled unto a course of action as believers here in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. And I'm afraid that we only focus for the most part on one half of what we're being compelled to do. And I'll explain that later, but let me read the verse again. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, since we have these promises, beloved, so it's two Christians, beloved, the beloved of God, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now, this is a simple verse, and it's not going to go over anybody's head. And if you're a believer, this is a summons on your soul. It's a summons to your will. It is God saying, come into this and live this as one of my children. And so 
he, when he opens up and he's referring to these promises, he says, since we have these promises, and then from that, he's going to give a course of action, but it might help us to know what are the promises that he's referring to. He, he's talking to Christians and he's saying, Christians, because we have these promises from God, let us then, and then he prescribes the course of action that we'll talk about in a moment. But the promises are actually found in the, the chapter before. We're in 2 Corinthians 7, 1 with this verse, but the promises are found in 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 16 through 18. And here are the promises, because the chapter 6, he's calling Christians to come out and be separate from the pagan culture. He's, he's telling them, you can't live your life under a yoke with unbelievers. You can't fellowship as children of the light with the things of darkness. And so 2 Corinthians 6 is a very strong emphasis on what we call you know, the, the doctrine of separation. And of course, that's been turned into all sorts of legalistic stuff. But the doctrine of separation is actually legit. The... Um, the willingness for the Christian to enter into fully a lifestyle that is dedicated and consecrated under the Lord is not, it's not legalism. It's not religion. It's actually very, very important that we do this. And so chapter six says that, and then it says, here's why we do that because God has committed himself to us fully. And so the promises you can go back and read them in second Corinthians six are these, and I'm just quoting God says, I will make my dwelling among you and walk among you. God says, I'm going to live inside of you and I'm going to walk with you. That's a promise. He then says, I will be their God talking about Christians. I will be their God. So it's very personal to God that you are his child and he is your father. He says, they shall be my people. That's just the other side of the coin. I will be your God. You will be my people. God views his relationship with you as highly intimate. Like it's very personal to the Lord. It's not some, you know, you're not one number in a list of billions of his kids. You are very personally loved by the Lord. He says, I will welcome you in chapter number six of second Corinthians. He says, I will be a father to you. And then he says, you shall be sons and daughters to me. Now that's all relational. So what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 7 is this, since I am making my dwelling with you, since I am walking with you, since I am your God, since I am your father, since I welcome you, since you are my children, you're my people, since you are sons and daughters to me, Paul says, therefore, seeing we have these promises, let us and then we're going to talk about what he says. So again, I like to provide context here because instead of it just being rules, because what I'm about to tell you is a summons on your life about how you're to live, how I'm to live as a follower of Jesus. And so instead of it being like a list of religious rules, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. No, the Lord says through his word, through the Apostle Paul's words here in Second Corinthians, he says, because we have a relationship, my child, because I chose you, because I saved you. Because I am living inside of you, wherever you go, I'm with you. Since this is the promise I've made to you, here's what I am calling you to do. And what is it? Listen to this. He says, because we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now let that sink in because this is saying, since you have an internal reality of being a child of God, internal and eternal, 
You have this reality since you are distinct, since you are different, since you are not what you once were, since you are becoming what you should be, since you are different than all of those who are not children of God. Here's what God says. I want you to live in the light of that reality. And here's one of the things that you are called to do. You need to cleanse yourself from every defilement of the flesh and spirit. Uh, The body and the flesh, I learned the verse in the King James, it says every uh, defilement of the flesh and spirit, but it's talking about the body. And the reason why I mentioned just a little bit ago that we seem to focus as Christians on the defilement of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, the sins done with our body. That's like the major emphasis in a lot of churches. And by the way, we do need to look at that. We should emphasize that. But we tend to fixate on bodily actions that are sinful and we we prescribe to people, don't do that. And so whether it's issues of sexual immorality, which Paul addresses, or whether it's issues of drunkenness, which Paul addresses, Scripture addresses, whether it's issues of violence, which are addressed in Scripture, um, gluttony addressed in Scripture. And so we, we think of these bodily, um, fleshly sins, and we all say those are no-nos. We don't do those. And I want to say today that amen, just a quick word, you, you've got to possess your vessel, your vessel in which the Lord lives. You've got to possess that in honor. You've got to own your body in righteousness. You are the temple of the living God. That's again, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Like God dwells in you. So what, what we do with our bodies does actually matter. And the scriptures are very clear that we are to live out our, our, like our physical life in a way that honors the Lord. But could you agree with me that that seems to be a lot, maybe even inordinately so of the emphasis about what it means to walk in the spirit or walk in holiness. It's a lot of, Hey, don't do these dirty things with your body. Whereas again, I don't want to minimize, especially in the area of sexual morality. I don't want to minimize that. That's extremely important. What your eyes look at, what your hands do, what you do with, you know, your sexual drives though, that's, that's actually talked about quite a bit in scripture and we can honor the Lord um, in our sexuality, by the way, I just did a podcast on that. If you want to scroll back after this one, look at, listen to that podcast about, you know, the straight talk about sexual, uh, appetites. But what about the rest of this verse in second Corinthians seven, one, when we're talking about bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord, he doesn't just mention the defilements of the body, but he talks about spiritual filthiness. That's the King James word. Filthiness of the flesh and spirit is how the King James uh, renders 2 Corinthians 7 1. Here it's in the ESV that I read out of. It's defilement of body and spirit. But what about these spiritual defilements? Could it be that while we are maximizing physical bodily morality, we are ignoring defilement of the spirit? And the Bible is actually replete with many, many commands, injunctions. Uh, summons, um, prohibitions, um, rebukes, calls to repentance over spiritual defilement. And what, what is it? What am I talking about? Well, I want you to ask yourself, what is going on in my heart? 
When we talk about the heart, we're not talking about the organ in your chest. We're talking about that immaterial um, part of you. It's the real you. And so interchangeably, and although, please, you hyper-theologians out there, thank God for you. I love that you study your Bible and you parse out the words and all that. But please, this is not like a deep theological moment right here. What I'm saying is that the heart, the real you, the soul, the spirit, the heart, the mind, it's that, that inner you where the Holy Spirit resides. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And what he wants to do is bring your human spirit into alignment with himself. And I would even say this, he wants to bring your inner alignment um, into submission, your spirit into submission to him, the Holy Spirit. And so if that's going to happen, guess what's, what, what's going to take place in your life and mine as we learn how to cooperate with that process? We are going to be clean-spirited. So I want to give you two passages of scripture that I'm, I'm fixated on right now in my own life. Because by the grace of God, like I'm not wrestling with sexual immorality. I'm not wrestling with gluttony. I'm not wrestling with violence from my body. I'm not wrestling with any of those things. But I'm going to go ahead and be transparent with you. That's not good enough. Because you can tame your body. You can tame your body. But can you say right now that your spirit's clean? And remember, Paul says this. He says that we are to cleanse ourselves. That's very interesting because sometimes we say, God, cleanse my heart. And that may be a worthwhile prayer. You'll find patterns of that in scripture. But God does not cleanse our hearts nor our bodies without our cooperation. And so when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7.1, the responsibility for a clean spirited life is placed upon us. Amy, my beloved wife, cannot clean up my spirit. The church that I pastor cannot clean up my spirit. Those to whom I'm accountable, the elders at my church, and I have a, a spiritual father, and he, these, these people cannot cleanse my spirit. A book that I read by a famous author or a counselor cannot cleanse my spirit. My own counselor, I go, I, I, yeah, I go and process with a counselor regularly, um, th that she cannot cleanse my spirit. Who can? Me cooperating with God, the spirit working on me and you have to work on you. We are very, um, tempted. We're susceptible to work on other people's spirit <laughs> and, uh, forego ours. Isn't it amazing how we can clearly see what's going on? I mean, at least we think we can clearly see what's wrong with the spirit of somebody else. That person carries this spirit or that person's operating in this spirit or this spirit. We judge people's motivations. We judge people's hearts. We judge people's thoughts. We, and we are absolutely hundred percent unqualified to do so. You've never seen anybody else's motivation because you can't. But you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, discern your own. And so what are some of these spiritual issues? Let me give you two passages of Scripture that I'm just working on right now. I'm just being honest with you. Um, so Colossians 3.8, the, the chapter 3 of the book of Colossians was the first full chapter in the Word of God that I ever memorized. And it's it's been a go-to because Colossians 3 tells you what to do as a Christian. It says, hey, here's a bunch of stuff you need to start working on in your own life. And if you'll just, I'm telling you, if you'll just study Colossians 3, you won't have time to be walking around judging other people because you'll realize, oh my goodness, I have a lot of work to do on my own soul. And so Colossians 3, 8 says this, you must put all of these away. Okay, so this is what it's the putting off the old man, putting on the new man. So part of putting off the old man is this, you have to put these away and he lists them. 
Put away anger. That's a spiritual defilement. Put away wrath. That's a spiritual defilement. Put away malice. That's a spiritual defilement. Put away slander. That's a spiritual defilement. Put away obscene talk from your mouth. Uh Uh-oh. Some of y'all just got pierced right there. Put away obscene talk from your mouth. That is a spiritual defilement. So guys, uh, let's just let's just walk through this together because this is important. So when I am wanting to perfect holiness in the fear of God, as 2 Corinthians 7, 1 commands me to do, that means I'm to be cooperating with the process of sanctification. I'm to be walking with the Lord so that I'm becoming more like Jesus. As I do so, God says, Jeff, check your spirit. Is there anger in there? Now, we are commanded to be angry at the right things, but that is not what this is talking about. Like when I think of the issue of abortion, I'm angry that we're killing babies in America and politicians and individuals are fighting for legislation to make it easier to kill babies both inside the womb and freshly outside the womb. I'm, I'm right, righteously indignant about that. I'm angry. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a personal anger that is sourced somewhere in offense or intolerance. So you have to put that away. God tells me, you put it away, Jeff. N- diagnose your heart. And if you find um, unjust anger, selfish anger, simmering anger, unresolved anger, that is a defilement of your spirit. Put it away. And then he also mentions in Colossians 3, 8, wrath. Wrath is the, the child of unresolved anger. Wrath, anger is the source, the spirit, the the thing that is defiling you on the inside. And what it does is it gives birth to wrath. So this connects what's going on with your spirit with what comes out of your mouth or comes through your body. Wrath is the explosion. Anger is the fuse. And so if you don't defuse anger, it becomes wrath. But again, it's connected to a spiritual defilement. And God says, Jeff, you got to take care of that. He says it to you too. Slander. My goodness, I, I, I'm just going to be transparent here. I've gone through a season recently of slander. Not me slandering, but being slandered, like being openly slandered and intentionally slandered with a coordinated effort. Um, not fun. Um, and during that time, God was saying, Jeff, your job is not to defend yourself. Your job is to let me defend you and cooperate with truth in the process. And so we follow the Matthew 18 biblical guidelines and talking to the people involved and all of that stuff with our elders. And But the, the, the reality is, is that people who take a moral high ground about certain behaviors don't give a second thought to the fact that they're walking around slandering people. I mean, that's like a sin. That's a spiritual defilement because what proceeds out of the mouth is what exists in the heart. And so slander can never come out of the mouth if it doesn't first exist in some form of sinful defilement of the spirit. And so the slander, and then he says the obscene talk from your mouth. Um, You know, I mention this every now and then on the podcast, but obscenities and profanity coming out of the mouth is a clear indicator that there is something wrong in the spirit. Because the, the mouth, the ability to vocalize and verbalize and speak, that's actually meant for prayer, praise, testifying, worship, and witness. And so the, it's the sweet water that the mouth is made for. It's like a fountain that brings forth sweet water. And when it comes out with bitter water, whether it be the slander or whether it be you know obscene talk, filthy language, that's just not the Lord. And, and God says, clean that up. Clean it up. There's something wrong in your heart. If you're angry and wrathful and slanderous, if you got malice 
and obscene talk coming out of your mouth. It's, it's like the diagnostic dashboard light flashing at you. Something is wrong under your hood. Pull over. You're going to break down. And again, I would just submit to you, God says, you take care of that in your own life. Second passage of scripture that I think is really important when we're talking about cleansing ourselves from the, the defilement of the spirit, like your internal person, who you really are, is Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, has a lot to say about unity and relationships as Christians. And there's nothing that will expose what's wrong in your spirit than your relationships with other people. Like anybody can get along with God. <laughs> you know, you and God tucked in a room or up on a mountain or, you know, in a monastery somewhere where it's just you and God. That's an easy walk of faith. But God has actually called us to walk out our faith with each other in relationships that are very difficult sometimes. And so there's nothing like your relationships that will expose what's amiss or misaligned in your heart. And so in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Paul writes, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So immediately we recognize your spirit, what's going on, your spirit can actually grieve the Holy Spirit within you. That's why a lot of Christians sense dissonance in, in their walk with God. They sense a disconnect. They sense um, a lot of things that God does not want in their life in this this lack of joy, this lack of, of oneness with the Lord, the lack of the experience of the connectivity with God, the intimacy with God. It's, it's, it's undermined because of spiritual defilement inside of the Christian. By the way, all of these are written to Christians, not to unbelievers. And so Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 31, he says, this is how you work on not grieving the Holy Spirit. Verse 31 is attached to the idea, don't grieve the Spirit. So what does verse 31 say in Ephesians 4? Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away with from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This right here, if you work on this for the next 30 days, will revolutionize your walk with Jesus. And it's actually by focusing on your heart posture towards other people. The fact of the matter is, this is a very unpopular statement I'm about to make, but it is true, biblically true, and I can give you probably a dozen verses or more that'll support it. You and I cannot be truly right with God. And by that, I mean in fellowship with God, walking in the spirit, filled with the spirit, walking in the fruit of the spirit, operating in the gifts of the spirit. We cannot be right with God if we are not right with each other. God set it up that way. God set it up to where you can't be right with the father if you're wrong with his kids. And again, you're only responsible for your own heart. And, and so the Ephesians 4 emphasis is make sure you're not living in a way that is grieving the Holy Spirit by tolerating things in your heart that are not, in, they are not consistent with who the Holy Spirit is. And they're mentioned. The first one that's mentioned is bitterness. That's like the atomic bomb right there. That's the nuclear warhead of, of relational fatigue. And I believe this is a personal belief. You don't have to agree with me if you don't want to, but I stand by it. I believe that bitterness in the heart of Christians is probably in the top five reasons why most Christians are completely disconnected from the king that they said saved them. Like you can go to church and be bitter. You can do daily quiet times and be bitter. 
You can pray your prayers. You can give your money. You can serve at your church. You can do all of those things with bitterness in your heart, but you can't enjoy God. You can't enjoy him. You can't experience his peace. You can't walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. You can't. You can go through the motions, and a lot of people are doing that. But bitterness is an automatic disqualifier when it comes to fellowship with God. If you are bitter, what it says is this. Something's been done to me that I have the right not to forgive the person. And people are carrying offense and bitterness at all times. And God says, hey, I actually can't elevate you or advance you or bless you until we deal with this. How about you do your part, which is acknowledge it. Welcome me into that bitterness. Let's research together where it came from, why you're upset with this person, why you're hurt, why you're operating in a loveless, non-Christ way. And let's deal with it. And of course, the flesh rises up to defend your right to be bitter. And the flesh says, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. They were wrong. Well, that's absolutely right. They were wrong. That's the whole point. The whole point is that you were wronged and you have not responded like Jesus to it. Therefore, you're becoming more and more bitter and you are defiled in your spirit. And so what happens is when you're operating from a defiled spirit, there's, there's some like toxic streams that come out of that and it affects and pollutes everything. Like God doesn't play around with this issue of internal defilement, spiritual defilement. Like, again, remember what I said earlier, we focus on what people do externally with their bodies and man, we'll judge them and we'll come against them and we'll rail on them and we'll, we'll go through behavioral modification. And as long as it looks okay on the outside and they're, they're toeing the line, then we assume everybody's right with God, but God doesn't do that. God says, okay, we're going to deal with those sins of the flesh, but I'm, I'm more concerned about what's on the inside of you because what is on the inside of you is the source of that, which flows outside of you. And bitterness is a uh, proven, proven effective weapon of the enemy. And God says, let's cooperate with each other and let's get that out of you. And then again, it mentions the wrath and the anger. You know, it's like people walking around angry and mad and bitter and pre-bruised and offended. That's not the Lord. And like, you're not entitled to nurse that. It's a cancer in your spirit and you've got to get radical about it. He mentions also clamor. Clamor is like stirring up discord. Like anybody that's stirring up discord is operating in a spirit other than the Holy Spirit. Like the Proverbs chapter six makes a radical statement, says the Lord hates those. And it lists all these things like slaying innocent blood and killing people and all this stuff. And then, then it says he hates those that sow discord among the brethren. Like people with a contentious spirit that are causing problems among the body of Christ. God doesn't, listen, you wrestle with this. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says God hates people that do that. And, and like Christians do that. People that say they're walking with the Lord cause trouble among the brethren, intentionally stir up drama, strife, and discord. And, and they don't give a second thought to the fact that the Bible says God hates people that do that. And you can wrestle all day long with whether or not you're comfortable with that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, <laughs> you know, and clamor is like this, the constant strife. And that's a spiritual thing. Like if you carry bitterness and anger and wrath, you will cause strife. You will carry and, and process discord in your relationships. So, and again, he mentions the slander and the malice. That means when you're trying to hurt somebody, 
Like, that's just so not Jesus. And of course, that's an issue of the spirit because when we're wounded in our spirit and we want to fight back, we think, okay, they hit me once in the face. I'm going to hit them twice in the face because that feels like justice. Like we rarely return an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. We, it's always like you poke my eye out. I'm poking both of yours out. You knock my front tooth out. I'm going to knock all your teeth out. And of course, I'm not obviously speaking in terms of physical violence. Um, we're, we're talking about like retaliation. The spirit of retaliation must take it up a notch. And so a lot of people, maybe even some of you that are listening to this podcast, you're, you're, you're carrying malice and anger and internal clamor and bitterness for stuff that like happened a long time ago. And, and it is affecting your relationship with God and others. And God says, cleanse yourself from that filthiness of the spirit. And he will help you, by the way. And it, you may need help from the human standpoint. You may need a counselor. You, you may have to have somebody come alongside of you so you can make it right with the person that you're offended with or that hurt you. But the key is this, man, what is, what, what's worth you going one more day with defilement in your spirit? Who's worth that? Who's worth that, that barricade between you and the preciousness of God? I'm not saying that like you're going to hell. What I'm saying is that you're not enjoying heaven like right now, like God can't elevate and advance and bless. He can't do that. When you've got this stuff in your spirit that he said, get it out of there. God will not endorse our hypocrisy. You know, sometimes I've found myself in seasons past. I'm going to wind up the podcast right here. But in seasons past, I'm like, Lord, I need your touch on me. I need your anointing on me. I need to serve the people. I need to preach the word. I need to prophesy. I need to pray. I need to do this. I need lots of kingdom stuff. I'm a pastor and I've been doing this a long time. And so my whole life is kind of connected to kingdom activity. And though I learned this a long time ago that God will not endorse my hypocrisy. Like if my heart's not right, he will shut everything down until I get serious about my internal atmosphere. Like God doesn't need my sermons. He doesn't need my ministry. He doesn't need Jeff Lyle to keep the kingdom going. He gives me the privilege of serving in it. But if he's going to give me the privilege of serving in it, he's going to require that I do it with a spirit that is consistent with his spirit. And so he doesn't let us get away with just tolerating spiritual defilement. So as I close, let me just say this. Spend the rest of the day considering what's going on in your own heart. Leave others to the Lord for right now. You, the, you just don't have the luxury of figuring out and fixing what's wrong in other people right now. This is about you and the Lord. And get your heart in a place of, okay, God, radically pressure wash my spirit. Get every nook and cranny clean. I don't want, by the way, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, cleanse ourselves of every defilement of the body and spirit. So we're not talking about doing better. We're talking about getting radical and saying, God, I must belong solely to you. Help me in these things that have defiled my spirit. Thanks for tuning in today. I want to remind all of you that it is open registration right now at Kaneo Ministry Training Center. I want to encourage you to go to Kaneo, K-I-N-E-O-M-T-C, KaneoMTC.com. We have open registration in the month of July, and now is your time to get in. 
Uh, there are three different ways. Actually, just go to the website. I don't have time to go through all of it today. But it's time for some of you to go ahead and further your studies, further your equipping, further your training. You're not too young. You're not too old. You may be still in high school and listening to this. We are welcoming high school students to do basically what we call in Georgia a dual enrollment process. So as you're finishing out high school, you can already be earning credits for college degrees working on your degree. And you can do it from home. You can do it online. You can do it at our uh, Dawson campus, which is our main campus. And we now have 30 campuses across the United States. There's a map there on Caneo MTC. You can find the closest campus to you. And if you don't have a campus near you, you might be somebody God might use to open a campus at your local church. And so we have a, a great lady named Amber that can talk to you about that. And all of that information is there on the website. So my time's gone. I hope that you've been motivated today. Um, if you're interested in getting more resources, teachings, and things that I've written or taught, both video, audio, Download the free Transforming Truth app or check us out at transformingtruth.org. And uh, you can look at our subscribe to our YouTube channel, Transforming Truth on YouTube. Um, and again, subscribe to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you want to browse the archives on your computer, go to maverickmisfit.com. Uh, again, what we do is we try to just advance the truth of the kingdom and we do it one message at a time, one podcast at a time, one blog at a time, one tweet at a time, one post at a time. Listen, there's a lot of chatter out there. Go ahead and start talking about the Lord and let's be countercultural with all the toxicity out there. Tell people about Jesus. His glorious kingdom is going to be permanently sealed on this planet he will rule and reign and brothers i'm just telling you right now i'm like even so lord jesus come quickly we'll talk to you next time thank you for listening to today's mavericks and misfits podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe rate and review mavericks and misfits with jeff lyle on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of jesus and don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.